This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. You're listening to Live Free Creative an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Hi there, friends. Welcome back to Live Free Creative Podcast. You're listening to episode 222, Finding Flow. True to the theme of this month and this new year, I'm excited to share some ideas about setting ourselves up for optimal experiences and enjoyment. You may have heard of the term flow. It was coined years ago by a researcher named Csikszentmihalyi, and We discuss it a lot in my positive psychology program right now. What strikes me the most about flow in relation to the new year is how goal-oriented it is and how specific the design of a flow experience or optimal experience can be. I thought that I would share some of these overview ideas with you today and invite you to consider how you might include more flow in your life this year by setting yourself up for success, knowing what types of activities or experiences may sort of constitute this losing yourself in the moment feeling that we all know and love. I thought I'd get started today sharing a few favorite things lately in my segment, Peaks of the Week. Way back in August, maybe July even, I was talking to my therapist about how to prepare myself for the winter. (laughs) I've shared on the show that the winters, the cold, the dark, tend to be difficult for me. I feel very affected by them. Seasonal affective disorder can alter people's moods depending on the weather or the seasons. For some people, it's the summertime that kind of makes them blue because of the heat and the humidity and difficulty spending time outside without air conditioning and things like that. I feel the opposite. It is the winter for me that's harder, the cold and the dark and the rain, especially where we live here in the south. We get a lot of moisture over the winter. It doesn't snow much, but it is rainy and overcast. And knowing this, 
months ago, I was trying to prepare myself for how I was going to fill my wintertime toolbox with tools to help me feel better. Some coping skills, some activities, some plans. And one of the things that my therapist recommended in this conversation about wintertime toolkits was to get a bird feeder, a backyard bird feeder. Knowing how much I've enjoyed being an amateur birder this last year, going on walks and taking my binoculars and identifying birds in my neighborhood and even in my own yard, we thought that that could be a fun idea. Fast forward, I didn't do much about it then because I was feeling just fine. It wasn't until early December that I started to notice just that low energy settling in. And there's nothing wrong with low energy in the winter. It's a natural course of things as the seasons change. And I knew that I needed just a little boost of daily enjoyment. So I ordered a couple different bird feeders. I will tell you that of the four that I have, one is the absolute standout. And this is the one I'm going to link in the show notes. It's a hanging bird feeder, squirrel proof. If a squirrel tries to jump on it, it closes so it can't get any of the seeds inside. It's cylindrical and sort of long. You can see the seed inside it and the birds seem to recognize when it's full versus when it's getting empty. I have a flurry of activity when there is visible sunflower seeds in the bird feeder and as it gets toward the bottom then it kind of slows down until I refill it and then just like magic the birds all come back again. I have big trees on the perimeter of my house and I decided instead to plant this into a planter that's on my back porch with this iron hanging rod thing. I'll put that in the show notes as well if you're curious and you don't have a tree to hang this in both for keeping the feeder away from squirrels as much as possible and so that I had direct eyesight like this bird feeder now hangs straight out the window so I can sit on the couch or sit on the chair I can be working on something in the kitchen and see this bird feeder from almost anywhere in the back half of my house it has been an absolutely phenomenal experience to welcome birds into my yard in the middle of the winter and just see them every day hopping around and sharing the seeds together I feel like we added like a pit stop on some of the flight patterns of the neighborhood. We've identified over a dozen different types of common and some uncommon backyard Virginia birds. I feel like the bird feeder has absolutely served its purpose as a wintertime mood booster and will continue to all the way in through the spring. If you could use a wintertime mood booster and you are interested in attracting some birds and just seeing what might come by in your own yard, I will make sure that this stellar bird feeder and the hanger hook are linked in the show notes. I got another couple that I like okay. They just aren't as popular. They're the type that suction to the window. I thought it'd be so fun if the birds came right up to the window and you could see them. They seem to not be as interested in that. I don't know if it's the reflection that they see, like if it makes them nervous to be right up against the glass or if they don't want to be that close to the house. But this hanging bird feeder that really is just only about 10 steps off of my porch, that's where all the action is happening. And actually, I have a a few great pictures of different types of birds at my feeder that I will also include in the show notes as a special bonus for you. My second peak of the week is a matching sweatsuit that my mom was sort of my social pressure into ordering. 
My parents both flew home to Virginia with us after the Christmas holiday and spent the week between Christmas and New Year's staying with us. It was so fun. And one of these afternoons, you know, that kind of lull period between Christmas and New Year's, my mom and I were sitting on the couch. This ad popped up for this same sweatsuit, and she said, I have wanted this thing for months, and I haven't ordered it yet. Let's just get it. So we went ahead and ordered them together. I thought, oh, it's really cute, and I could use a sweatsuit, uh, kind of wintertime coziness. So we went ahead and ordered it. It's from Vans, Vans brand. It's a checkered matching top and bottom. If I can find it online, I will share it in the show notes. It doesn't have to be this sweatsuit, although this one is really cute and really cozy. I didn't know that I needed a matching sweatsuit to just live in. I think I've worn it for some part of every day over the last week since it arrived on my doorstep. It's cozy and looks put together, so I don't mind like going out and running errands. I had a meeting at the school last week that I was wearing it, and I second-guessed myself, and then I was like, no, this looks like a totally normal outfit. But then I've also felt so cozy curling up next to the fire with a book at night in it. And, of course, I saw a funny meme on Instagram about how sweatsuits are out, of course, because I just ordered one. Listen, it does not matter what the trendsetters say. A matching sweatsuit will always be a good idea in the winter. Ooh, and I've got a good one. My number three was my Christmas present to Dave and myself this year. I ordered us electric scooters, kind of like those bird scooters or lime scooters, the ones that you can rent. The difference is that these ones we don't have to rent. We don't have to go hunt them down and return them anywhere. We just have them. My friend Brooke had recommended them as one of her favorite products of 2022. So I grabbed a couple thinking that it would be a fun you know, interactive gift for Dave and I for Christmas. And also that it's kind of nice to have two. Someone can scooter with a friend any time they want to use one. Not only are they so fun, really easy to use, lightweight. You can like fold the handle down and carry it in if you need to go somewhere. They're rechargeable. They actually go pretty fast, but not scary fast. They've been amazing and so functional. We are currently a one-car family, and these scooters have sort of taken over the need even to look for another car right now because we live close enough to so many things that, uh, you know, a mile or two on a scooter is like no big deal. You can find these super cool scooters, the sweatsuit, and the magical backyard bird feeding kit in the show notes at livefreecreative.co slash podcast. Look for episode 222 and all of that great info will be there for you. Those are the peaks of the week. Let me take a moment and introduce you to today's sponsors. As we dig into the new year, One of my reflections has been on how many unexpected things happened in the last year and how we can be the most prepared and responsible possible for situations that we might not expect. For example, having life insurance is a really great responsible decision that helps us be prepared for unexpected circumstances beyond our control. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. I know life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated or overwhelming, 
However, Fabric makes it easy to apply with a seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. And if you need extra support as you're making decisions, Fabric's team of licensed insurance agents can answer all of your questions along the way. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered insurance instantly with no health exam required. Fabric was specifically designed to help give parents like you affordable term life insurance plus wills, access to college saving funds, and more tools to help you protect your family's financial future, all in an easy online experience. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash livefree. That's meetfabric.com slash livefree. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash livefree. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Next, I just have to mention that there are only two spots available for Spring Creative Camp in Hurricane, Utah. March 29th through April 2nd. If you're ready to dig into some deep work alongside other incredible women while we take care of you, visit livefreecreative.com camp to find all of the registration details. I want to get started talking about finding flow. As I was preparing for this month and kicking off the new year with some new ideas about progress, goal setting, planning, some systems, I was really struck by the importance of balancing our skill with our challenges. This is an idea that really was highlighted for me as I've been learning about flow. Mike Csikszentmihalyi was a researcher who coined this term, flow, and defined it as optimal experience. And in some of his descriptions around what that looks like to achieve that, he talks about this balance. In fact, there's a really great visual that maybe I'll I'll pull it and put it on the show notes for you of this tunnel of flow. And above the tunnel, I'm going to say tunnel, it's like a, a pathway heading from the bottom left of the graph up to the top right. So imagine that that is the optimal experience. That's where flow can occur. Above the tunnel, you get anxiety because your challenge is higher than your skill level. So imagine sitting down to play chess with a chess master 
and not knowing the rules of the game. Your skill level is not as high as the challenge you're facing, and most reasonable people would either sort of give up, you know, say, I'm not prepared for this type of a challenge, or really stress out. Uh, So that's not optimal experience. Where below the channel is boredom. That's when your skill is much higher than the challenge that you're presented with. This would be if I sat you down at a library and handed you an easy reader and you were a college-educated adult, you may be slightly entertained, you know, depending on your level of curiosity and, and enthusiasm, you may be slightly entertained by reading an easy reader, you know, an ABC book for a little bit. And then, you know, very quickly you're bored by that because your skill level far exceeds the challenge presented. This description and, and especially the visual of this felt so impactful for me because I know the feeling of that balance. Imagine some of your most enjoyable experiences that you've had throughout your life. A lot of them probably have the same characteristics as what Chicksemney High found in his research about optimal experience and flow. And one of those characteristics is this balance between skill and challenge. That your challenge meets your skill And as you get better, your challenge increases to continually meet your skill. And that's where you stay in this beautiful channel of flow. I don't know about you. I would be curious to talk to some of you about your experience with flow throughout your lifetime or with optimal enjoyment. I had many, many opportunities to experience this type of balance as I was growing up. In fact, Most of my childhood, I was faced with challenges that were just outside of my skill level, and they felt fun and interesting and exciting, and they would challenge me in the best possible way that would then feed back to my skill level, and I would get better at things. This is how progress happens. The older that I got and then, you know, leaving a school environment or an academic environment and then as your sort of hobbies and other things that you do drop off as you get older, they don't have to. But in my case, they did. I had a full school friend, social hobby life and then slowly things you might call adulting (laughs) filled in some of those spaces. So, for example... I love to sing. I grew up singing from the time I was little. I was in a performing group from 12 until 18. I was part of choirs. I would sing at church. And at some point in my early adulthood, I recognized that unless I wanted to pursue singing as a profession, which I didn't, then I didn't really know where it fit into my life. And it sort of became this thing that I loved to do and would often feel very much in flow as I would try new songs and learn new things and perform with new people. And yet my opportunities for that started to wane and be replaced by other more quote unquote practical things. Maybe you can think of leisure activities or sports that you played or hobbies that you've had throughout your life that have provided a lot of enjoyment and how many of those things still exist in your life in a meaningful way. It's not to say that only leisure and hobby and, you know, artistic activities bring 
this balance of skill and challenge or these flow experiences, we can experience flow in everyday life. I've had moments of doing the dishes where I felt completely absorbed in what I was doing and it was a you know a pleasant, enjoyable experience and I didn't feel urgency or I wasn't distracted by anything else. I was really just absorbed. So it's not to say that we can't have these types of experiences in everyday systems and rhythms of our life. However, there are some specific components to what seems to make up the most enjoyable experiences. And so I want to go through those with you. There are eight factors. And in Csikszentmihalyi's research, he found that most people reported at least several of these overlapping and some all. So let me go through some of the factors of flow with you so that you can start to recognize it when you see it or experience it. And also so you can start to organize your life in such a way that you are inviting flow experiences in more often. The following are the eight factors that usually occur when one is experiencing optimal experience or flow. And these are all taken from the Enjoyment and Quality of Life chapter of Csikszentmihalyi's book titled Flow. First is the experience usually occurs when we confront tasks that we have a chance of completing. You don't usually have a flow experience when you are attempting something far beyond the possibility of accomplishment. Number two, we must be able to concentrate on what we are doing. Even just that one, the ability to concentrate for many of us in the types of lifestyles that we have, often with young kids or with distractions at work, that automatically boots out the possibility of flow in many of our life circumstances. So consider that as one of these important factors of enabling situations in which you have the ability to concentrate. Number three and fourth, the concentration is usually possible because the task undertaken has clear goals, that's third, and provides immediate feedback, that's four. Now this is where the overlap for me started as I was thinking about the new year and goals and resolutions and plans and systems and flow. Flow experiences almost always have a clear goal and have immediate feedback as we are working through them. Fifth, one acts with a deep but effortless involvement that removes from awareness the worries and frustrations of everyday life. Flow experiences, in other words, are completely immersive and you become absorbed in them. This idea is described further by number seven, which is that the concern for the self disappears, yet, paradoxically, the sense of self emerges stronger after the flow experience is over. So you lose yourself during these optimal experiences. However, after you're finished, you feel even more like yourself because of the experience. And finally, number eight, the sense of the duration of time is altered during optimal experience. Hours pass by in minutes. Minutes can stretch out and seem like hours. The combination of all of these eight elements causes a deep sense of enjoyment that is so rewarding that people feel that expanding a great deal of energy is worthwhile simply to be able to feel this flow. Now that you have a basic overview of these factors, I'm curious if anything came to mind for you as experiences that you've had that 
felt like they encompassed some of those things or if your idea of some of your most enjoyable experiences also had overlap with some of the factors that research has has shown around flow. I'm going to go through them individually and add just a little bit of detail and context and maybe some examples so that as I release you at the end of this episode, you have a little bit better understanding of how to find flow in your life, how to intentionally build meaningful, challenging, exciting, all-encompassing experiences into your your daily and weekly experience so that you can enjoy your life all that much more. The first factor is really this balance of challenge and skill that I was talking about as I began. That flow channel and being able to recognize when something is too far outside of your skill level to be enjoyable. At that point, it just brings anxiety or is overwhelming. How do you rein it back in either by taking a break until your skills are to that level or reducing the challenge that you're expecting of yourself? I have to say that this is something that I have been aware of as a mom since learning it in more depth over the last few months. Am I expecting more of my children than their current developmental individual skills can meet? Are the challenges that I'm putting before them above their skill level so far that they sort of break down instead of rising to meet the challenge? I think that sometimes we forget how our kids are still learning. They don't just know things. They actually have to learn all of those things that we already know because we learned it so long ago. And we forget to you know, really teach some of these skills. We just think that they, as they get older, like their biological clock, they they learn how to do dishes or they learn how to vacuum or they learn how to pick up their room properly or how to, you know, sit still for 10 minutes just because it's like inherent. But so many of those things are not. And as we teach them, even like learning how to play a game or learning how to follow rules or so many of these things are skills. And we can teach them. And then as their skills develop, their challenges can increase with ease rather than with anxiety. Bringing it back to the personal, what types of challenges do you have in your life that feel too overwhelming for your current skill level? Are there things you can do to wind them back a little bit? Is there grace you can offer in the meantime as you build up your skills? Or maybe you're totally bored. Maybe you have skills that you're not exercising because the things that that you're facing just aren't challenging at all. Maybe you don't feel like you're growing or learning or stretching yourself and you don't have that enjoyment that comes through the balance of the skills that you do have met with challenge that is appropriate for them. It can take any form. It could be sports. It could be art. It could be crossword puzzles. What are you doing that requires your attention and has a goal that you have some skill or the desire to build some skill in that area? Or what are some of the things that are inevitable to your life, just inherent responsibilities or commitments right now that you've decided that you want to continue doing, and you could add some enjoyment to them by 
turning him into a game, setting a timer, creating some arbitrary rules that you get to follow. And by gamifying or creating some boundaries around it with immediate feedback for yourself, you can actually turn some of these things into challenges and into flow experiences. When we are facing a challenge that we can complete and our skill is balanced with our challenge and we have this second factor of being able to concentrate, our action and awareness start to merge together and we can really enter this state of non-awareness. It takes our full concentration to sort of step out of our regular realm of being into this complete absorption of attention. My best example of this for myself personally was when I was in college and I had had a, an emotional breakup that left me really with an inability to concentrate in most circumstances. I just felt a little bit lost and I satisfied my need for concentration and enjoyment by going to an indoor rock climbing gym. I had been rock climbing a little bit since I was a kid, and I really allowed myself to develop some new skills. I I spent a lot of time there because I could escape from this state of distraction that I had in my everyday life as a result of this, you know, emotional turmoil breakup into a state of total zen concentration. My skill level and my challenge on the wall were so well matched that I didn't have any single bit of extra attention or focus to put anywhere else. It required 100% of my concentration to accomplish the task at hand, which was getting to the top of the wall. And I would lose myself there and then be worn out and exhausted and enthralled by the all-encompassing nature of that experience. Similarly, during the pandemic, I read a ton of fiction. I normally read a good balance of fiction and nonfiction, and that my ability to concentrate and learn, like actively learn through reading nonfiction during the pandemic was so altered because of just this heightened anxiety or heightened awareness of all of the different emotional things that were happening in our lives, all the the control that we were losing. And I found deep immersion in transporting myself into someone else's story through reading these beautiful fiction novels. I also wanted to make a note about reading in general. I years ago recorded an episode with my good friend Jansen Bradshaw of Everyday Reading about developing a reading routine. So many people who are readers count it as one of their most enjoyable experiences that they have. And still other people want to read. They know that they like it or they like the idea of it, and yet they are having a hard time finding a place for it in their lives. In episode number 128, Jansen Bradshaw talks about reading books that you like. And this is so obvious, but so many of us have had the experience of trying to force ourselves to read something that we don't really want to read, that we're not that interested in. You are never going to become a reader or spend any leisure time reading a book that you don't like. I think of this as a good example of a balance of challenge and skill that 
you wouldn't necessarily use those words. But think about the skill in your understanding of different things, your enjoyment or engagement in different types of cultures or the way words are used. Maybe you're trying to read books that just aren't that interesting to you for one reason or another. Find that balance of if you want to read, make sure that you're choosing books that you like and don't feel like you have to finish every one that you pick up. If you start reading a book and, and you know, after a few pages or a set amount of minutes, you don't really like it, then move on. Put it down and try something different. In order to have this optimal experience, you want to be able to give your concentration to something where there's that balance of skill and challenge and you can start to lose yourself in the experience. Factors three and four talk about clear goals and immediate feedback. These factors are some of the reasons that sports and games in particular that have these really clear guidelines and also really clear immediate feedback are optimized already for flow experiences. I love the examples that Chicksemini High gives of situations in which you may have a flow experience that didn't have guidelines beforehand, but they're set up on the spot. One of the examples that he shares is teenagers enjoying these impromptu sessions of trying to gross each other out or tell tall stories. The goal of the session emerges by trial and error. In the moment, as a group, the goals of the interaction are sort of built on the spot. And then the feedback is measured by the things that the group has determined. Maybe not explicitly, maybe implicitly, they're understanding what they're all trying to achieve. And that brings that sort of banter and the fun and the flow of those types of experiences. And you can think of feedback not only in terms of did you make a goal on the soccer field or not, but how are other people reacting? How are you feeling? In this scenario, feedback is simply your ability to determine whether or not you're getting closer to the goal, whatever the goal is. Remember, there needs to be kind of a clear goal in order for this flow experience to happen. Are you able to determine on the spot whether you're getting closer or further away from that goal? That is the feedback. Factor five is all about awareness. What are you aware of during these optimal experiences? I want you to think about something that you may have said before or thought, this is like therapy. So (laughs) therapy is great. I love it. And many people have activities in their lives that they feel give some of the same benefits that they might receive from therapy or do receive from therapy given their situation. For me, walking is like therapy. Sewing is like therapy. Gardening feels like therapy. What are the things for you that feel like therapy or what you imagine therapy might feel like? And if you don't have any that come to mind, This is where you start to put on that memory cap of what are the things that I used to enjoy? What are the things that I used to love? What are areas of experience or life or culture that I'm interested or intrigued by? What piques my curiosity? We all benefit from having these optimal experiences that allow us to forget ourselves for a time, to feel like we are exiting whatever stresses and difficulties and, you know, maybe challenges that exceed our skill level right now that are on our plate, having activities 
that allow us to escape all of that for a time and feel free of awareness of some of those challenges, of course, feel really enjoyable. The sixth factor talks about control and how much we enjoy (laughs) experiences in which we have a sense of exercising control. There are so many factors in our lives that are unreliable. There are not always clear rules and guidelines and goals to all of the different things that we're trying to accomplish in our lives as we just, you know, live fulfilling lives and try to be good humans. And there's a lot out there outside of our control. So of course, it makes sense to me that this factor of having an illusion of control or a sense of exercising control in a specific situation brings some relief. It allows us to feel a sense of peace that we might not feel outside of the given context. I recognize this need for that sense of control or the enjoyment of that sense of exercising control in some of my hands-on hobbies like sewing or woodworking. I am sort of the the master of that universe in the moment that I'm creating it. And I'm, I imagine that writers and poets and artists may feel similarly, that the thing that you're creating is of you. And especially if you're not following a specific pattern outlaid by someone else, but you're generating something on its own, then there's no real blueprint for completion other than your own decision. And that in and of itself, can feel really, really good to be able to be creating something in real time and manipulating it and exercising control over these elements, whether it's fabric or paint or words, in a way that feels generative and absorbs your concentration and at the same time loses and abandons self-consciousness. This loss of self-consciousness is factor number seven. This idea that you're so thoroughly engrossed in activity that there's really not any attention left over to consider anything else, past or future or present. Everything else is on hold while you experience this moment. As I described with my experience rock climbing, Chicksemney High says, In flow, there is no room for self-scrutiny because enjoyable activities have clear goals, stable rules, and challenges well-matched to skills There is little opportunity for the self to be threatened. And finally, this final factor I think is so interesting. It's the transformation of time. I know, especially over the last couple years, I've seen memes on the internet that say things like, do more things that help you forget about your phone. Or do more things that lead you to lose track of time. Those memes are pointing to flow experiences. They're pointing to finding these optimal experiences where time loses its meaning because we're so absorbed in the activity with our full concentration and our skills and these goals and we're getting feedback and we're just completely absorbed. We are enjoying the moment. We're enjoying life itself. The actual transformation of time, losing track of time, having time feel really fast or really slow, depending on the experience, both can feel really enjoyable. 
that in and of itself probably doesn't have a lot to do with the enjoyment of the activity. It's the idea that by choosing specific activities, we actually have this sense of being able to exercise some control over this construct of time that often feels so elusive. Imagine if you could guarantee feeling like time had stopped during an activity because you are so instantly absorbed in that. It may feel really great to know that you can count on getting into that flow state with one or or more abilities that you have or goals or games that you play that you have this ability to sort of exercise some control over the dynamic hold that time has over your life experience. I know that I personally love the feeling of glancing at a clock after one of these totally immersive experiences. For me, sometimes it's going to dinner with a friend and just having a great conversation or playing a game with my kids or looking up after working on a sewing project and realizing that I've been sewing for like hours longer than I expected, but it felt like minutes because I was so absorbed in the activity and everything was just going, going right. You know, I was getting this feedback and adjusting and and navigating and it just fully absorbed in it. That is flow. What does it look like for you? What does it feel like for you? What types of activities, hobbies, games, sports, interactions can you have that will invite the feeling of flow into your life? What types of experiences can you look for that you want for their own sake, not to get to some other place or time or space, but that the activity itself, the experience itself will be worthwhile just to have it. A couple of my personal coaching clients right now are exploring some of these activities, hobbies, things they used to love, things they currently love but haven't created a lot of space for in their lives. And it's so satisfying to hear about a completely immersive flow experience that feels like life worth living. It feels like flourishing when you are able to match your attention and skill to a challenge or goal or game that then enlivens you, absorb your concentration, pauses time for a little while, and fills you with accomplishment, a sense of meaning and enjoyment, and this optimal, high-level experience. I believe flow is worth finding. It takes a little bit of planning and thoughtfulness and intention to not expect to stumble into these types of optimal experiences, but to create them, make space for them, engineer them into existence in our lives. That's why this episode is titled Finding Flow. I want you to go looking for it. I want you to create space for it and invite it and seek it out and build it and create it and experience it. I know for me, because I'm a list maker and a planner, I am going to give myself the challenge of finding flow every week this year. And I'm going to put a little box on my calendar where I can plan in an activity that I know will likely lead to flow, that I can use these factors and sort of check the boxes of, are these things uh, enabled 
Am I able to meet this challenge? Does it feel like something I can accomplish? Do I have clear goals and immediate feedback? And then to feel the sense of awareness dropping and that control coming into play and time standing still. Knowing some of the factors of flow can help you to find it. As I close out this episode today, I want to invite you to a couple experiences that I can guarantee will bring flow into your life. They are my in-person face-to-face retreats. There are two spots available for Spring Creative Camp in Southern Utah, where truly the entire experience is engineered for you to be able to have that deep concentration, loss of self, meet your challenge, these projects that you have on hold, that you just keep waiting for the time and space to accomplish, come to camp and make them happen. You can find all of the details for Creative Camp at livefreecreative.co backslash camp. If you are interested in leisure and hobby and connection flow, join me at Grown Up Summer Camp this July in Glacier, Montana. You will be able to reconnect to nature, reconnect to yourself, get lost in learning some new handicrafts and learning from some incredible speakers. You'll interact with other women and build friendships in a real world setting that we need so much after these last few years of mostly virtual interaction. The information for summer camp is available at livefreecreative.co slash summer dash camp. And finally, if you and your partner want to find flow together, join me and Kristen Hodson and our husbands in Costa Rica in November for the first Novios Couples Retreat. We are designing this experience to meet the needs of each couple, to be able to deepen your relationship through new, exciting experiences together, learning new skills, facing new challenges, having incredible opportunities for open connection and communication, and experiencing it all in this otherworldly beauty in tropical Costa Rica. Applications are open now through the end of January at livefreecreative.co slash retreats. Click on Novio's Couples Retreat and then click Apply Now. I think one reason my in-person retreats have been so successful and so transformative over the last four years is because they provide optimal experiences for my attendees and also optimal experiences for me during the planning and logistics and preparing and designing these specific details with intention so that you come and enjoy an experience unlike any other. Whether you hang out with me in person or not this year, I want to invite you to find more flow. And hopefully this episode has given you some tips on how to do that. I'll chat with you next time. Bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, 
Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy.